1: Cats at Night. Now, here's John Catsimatides.
2: This is Cats at Night. Uh, John Katsimatidis here in the number one show at 5 o'clock. We have exceeded, exceeded, have soared at warp speed above all our other competition uh, and non-competition and we you know, And uh, we have uh, two common sense people in the uh, studio today. We have a common sense Democrat, Judge uh, Richard Weinberg and we have Congressman Peter King and uh, One common sense guy.
3: Thank you, John. Great to be here.
2: And how is, have you collected all the rent from King's Plaza?
3: I'm working on it. (laughs) King's Plaza. Uh, Also, I'm trying to uh, put uh, congestion price tolls on King's highway (laughs) so I can maybe make some money
2: (laughs) like the MTA is trying to do. Sounds good. Uh, Lydia, who do we have today?
0: We have a fantastic show for everyone today. We'll be talking to Dr. Peter Mikolos. Obviously, he's going to have some breaking news you don't want to miss. Amir Karanji with The Real Deal, which is basically the Bible when it comes to real estate. Ambassador John Bolton, he'll tell us the latest on Iran and Putin and Ukraine. Charlie Gasparino, he'll tell us everything that's going on with the stock market rebounding from the lowest level since 2020. But first on the line, we have Bill O'Reilly. He's a journalist. He's a historian. He's a former professor. He's a journalist, a local reporter, you name it, TV host. And his latest book, Killing the Legends, the A Lethal Danger of Celebrity is uh, killing its way up the...
3: Also a college football player.
0: Oh, that's right. College football player. He is very tall. 19 million books sold so far in his Killing series. Welcome back to Cats at Night. So Killing the Legends, how well is it doing?
4: Pretty well. We're happy with the uh, reception. Um, You never know about these things, but it's a different book. Um, We're going to get a different audience. Uh, The people who like history will read it because it's cultural history and then we're trying to get you know expand into people who like these three people john lennon elvis presley and muhammad ali and want to know more about them so right now and it's very kind of you to mention the book on wabc um right now we're doing very very well i've had 18 number one bestsellers we hope this will open at 19.
0: well congratulations so let's talk about the Cuomo comeback. So we've got Chris Cuomo. He starts his new show tonight on News Nation. you got Andrew Cuomo. He's about to start a new podcast. What do you make of it? Will the public be receptive to the Cuomo brothers? Will, will, will we see more Cuomo sexuals?
5: I hope not. That's <laughs> me. <laughs> You're not alone.
0: Remember that? Yeah. Remember yeah. that people were like that. in love with him?
4: Uh, I I don't know any of those people. I think they probably were all up in the uh, Binghamton area. Um, But anyway, look, uh, I'm going to be on Chris Cuomo's News Nation show a week from tomorrow. He asked me to do it. And I've known him for a long time. There's no reason not to. Obviously, I got Killing the Legends to promote, and uh, I don't have anything against him. Chris Cuomo, personally, I did say it's just going to be me and you, though. I don't want any shenanigans. I don't want any, uh, you know, outside stuff. So, um, but if you want to do that, we can do it. So I'm going to go on his program next Tuesday. Uh, As for his brother, the former governor, look, he's got a lot of money, um, a lot of campaign money unspent. He wants to run for governor in four years. No doubt he does. So he's going to rebuild the stair steps and hope that people uh, don't hold the accusations against him. And if I were him, I'd probably do the same thing.
2: Well, I mean, uh, uh, it's uh, Andrew Cuomo. Look, I think uh, uh, some people got him from the top. What do you think, uh, Bill O'Reilly?
4: I do. I think that uh, he made a lot of enemies. And uh, the enemy said, you know, we got him. We can get him.
2: I've said uh, what I've said to friends, and this is the first time I'll be saying it publicly, is I think the White House was scared of competition in 2024 because Andrew Cuomo was talking about possibly running for president, vice president. Well, it wasn't
0: him. The whole media was saying they wanted him to be the next Democratic uh, candidate for president.
2: And I think the White House made a decision. We don't need more competition.
3: Also, when the no, time came, Andrew had no friends to fall back on. He had no friends. But you know, you nobody through...
2: in nobody in Washington defended him. Nobody in Albany defended
3: him. And yet, when you look at what Tish James report, there's very little layer of substance about warrant removing a duly elected governor.
0: Tish James just seems to be on the warpath to go against just like personal people. I mean, who goes? I mean, we were talking about this judge. Like, who goes on a platform of you know being I elected?
5: Was... Look, I th- I think your points well taken. The fact that she campaigned for the position of Attorney General of the State of New York on a platform, I'm going after Donald Trump, I will find a crime, I thought was reprehensible.
0: And then she went after Andrew Cuomo. So let me ask you this, Bill O'Reilly. So Andrew Cuomo, I think, called me crazy that if we were to talk to Governor, former Governor Cuomo and say to him, look at the stats, look what's going on with the crime wave going on in New York State— I think he wouldn't be burying his head in the sand like Kathy Hochul is trying to do right now, and blame the judges for not comprehending the changes that she supposedly made to the bail reform law. Bill O'Reilly, what do you think?
4: Five years ago, I would have said agree with you, but Cuomo sold every principle he had out, almost like Joe Biden. Mm. Um, five years ago, Andrew Cuomo, as governor, would have been appalled by the collapse of the criminal justice system in New York State. Now, progressives uh, controlled him. And you know what? There's a, Machiavelli, a quote from Machiavelli, if you're going to dine with the devil, mm. bring a long spoon. Because he'll turn on you, and that's mm. exactly what happened to Cuomo.
5: Yes. Cuomo he remembered. He know, signed that bill. He signed the bill as governor.
4: Yeah. the no bill. Right. But he wouldn't have signed it five years ago. Exactly. This is like the abortion for any reason at any time. He wouldn't have signed that six years ago. Um, but he caved and he gave the progressives everything they wanted. But Cuomo himself did two things that uh, were terrible. Number one, the nursing home COVID stuff, yep. and then he tried to say he didn't do it, and he did it. Uh, and number two, writing the book using New York State personnel and getting, what, $5 million for it? Is that what he got, $5 million? Yes, that's about
3: right. And Bill, it was bad enough he did it, but... Do, uh, doing it during the height of a pandemic was, uh, to me, just added yeah, to Yeah, he it.
4: Exploited, exploited the situation in every way. Uh, and those things are on his resume. Um, but as a technician, far and away better than Kathy Hochul, who doesn't really know what she's doing. And I say that literally.
0: That's the right. A woman
4: is incompetent. She can't think about unintended consequences of, say, the commuter tax. the uh, Congestion pricing. It's a tax. Yeah. She she doesn't know and doesn't care, all right, how much havoc that's going to wreak on New York City. It's going to be blood in the streets if that ever gets through. She doesn't care. Cuomo would would know. You know, a much smarter individual. But when you sell out all your principles, i.e. Joe Biden, every single principle he ever held, he sold it out for fame and power. And that's what I write about, ironically, in Killing the Legends. Yeah. When you sell your life out, bad things are going to happen.
5: Speaking of bad choices that Biden made, how about uh, Vice President Harris? She's talking about equity and distribution of uh, aid assistance for hurricane victims. And there's no difference between North and South Korea. What do you say about that, Bill?
4: What am I going to say about <laughs> Kamala Harris? Mm-hmm. I mean, number one. Fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> She's uh, a Idiots. affirmative action hire. Yeah, Biden doesn't even like her, uh, but they brought her in because she checked the boxes. Number two, the woman's frame of reference, particularly abroad, is zero. Number three, her interest in problem solving is below zero. Remember, she's in charge of the, of the border. border. Okay? And number four, she unmasked herself, and I always love to see that. By basically telling the American people, you know what, Uh if you're white and you got hammered in Florida with the hurricane, Ian, you go to the back of the line. You go to the back of the bus. You know, we're going to get the people of color first to carry them because that's who I am. That's who I am. I'm an equity. I'm a race person. Race beating. And she basically said that. Yeah. You're white. Don't expect us to help you. It's so outrageous. It is so appalling for a vice president of the United States to say something like that, that even the Biden White House won't back it up. Today they were asked, what do you think of that? They wouldn't say.
2: Well, maybe they're out to kill her, too. I mean, as far as uh, uh, what, what they did to Andrew Cuomo, uh, Albany and, and uh, Washington, uh, maybe it's her turn.
0: Yeah, so we'll have some breaking news, by the way.
2: you, are, you got the breaking news on Donald yes. Donald Trump. There's some breaking news.
0: Hit the breaking news. Are they paying attention? I know. You want me to breaking news. news you W.A.B.C. Ex-former uh, President Trump is suing CNN, claiming defamation. He is seeking $475 million in damages. Bill O'Reilly, as an expert in the media, I mean, it doesn't get. And you also know Donald Trump. Do you think his case stands a chance? No.
4: <laughs>
2: New York Times for no
4: You know, look, can you prove malice? Right. Yeah. You can get it. You can, but you have to prove damages. So what are the damages? Now, if you can march in and say, "Well, I handed my uh, business over to my children, and it and it's you know it declined thirty percent," how are you going to link that to CNN? You can't. So, and then he's a sitting president. Oh, you know, he CNN tried to attack him before that, but it didn't work. He won the election. So this is the way it wins. I mean, this is another, you know, Trump shaking it up, which he loves to do because he's addicted to the fame, shakes it up. His base likes it. But legally, I mean,
5: Judge, what do you think? That's right. No, I don't think he has a chance. And speaking about shaking things up. Did you see he also went after McConnell again? I mean, what's with him? Doesn't he want no, Republicans to win the crazy. Senate?
4: I, you know, look, I've said this to you guys before, but it's worth repeating. In my private conversations with Donald Trump, I deliver one simple message to him: If you run on your record, you have a chance to mm-hmm. be Grover Cleveland, right, to be elected to a non-consecutive term. If you continue with the madness. You will not win. But obviously, he is not following my advice.
5: No.
3: But it's going to hurt the whole party. That can be real negative to us in November.
5: Of course. You could win the Senate, but you're not going to win the Senate with these kinds of attacks against the, the candidates. And oh, oh, the, and also, the
3: anti Asian remarks about McConnell's wife is really. Uh, I mean,
5: it's, it's just reprehensible. It and then not, his rally this weekend. What when do you say about, about, about McConnell's election? wife? I missed
2: it. <sighs>
3: He made an anti-Chinese remark, some kind of a joke. I didn't fully get He said she
5: it loves
0: China and she's Chinese or something and he used some like that. use yeah,
3: some expression, too. Yeah, I name. don't know.
0: It's just it was in poor taste. And then he talked about the election being stolen again. Why is he doing this, Bill O'Reilly? You know, you know him pretty well. Like, you're a common-sense guy – one thing you can say about Bill O'Reilly, he tells it like it is, whether or not he's friends with you. Like, that's the kind of friend I want. Like, if I look fat in a dress, I think Bill O'Reilly would say to me, that dress looks like crap on you. That's like That's a true friend. So the fact that Bill O'Reilly, um, you've been so honest with him. Why doesn't he listen to people that tell him the truth like you? Well,
4: first of all, Lydia, though, that would never happen about the dress. So Absolutely. You all
0: concur. Ever. No, but I would I, yeah. I appreciate friends like that.
4: It all goes back to the fame thing that I write about in Killing the Legend. He's addicted to it. He has to be on the front page every day. And, you know, there might be a little method to the madness here because this hatchet book with Maggie Haberman comes out tomorrow. So to to, uh, get attention away from that, he then becomes a bigger story than Maggie Haberman. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. By saying, oh, I'm going to sue CNN. So he gets into the headlines on offense rather than being on defense with Haberman. But Haberman hates him, Mm -hmm. hates him, and was wrong on every part of Russian collusion writing in the New York Times. Yet he grants Haberman three interviews for this stupid book. Why on earth would you do that? And the answer is because he always has to be the center of attention. And when you you have that compulsion, it will eventually destroy you.
3: The Maggie Haberman-Donald mm-hmm. Trump relationship warrants a book in itself. They go back to in New York. You're right. And he would call her at all times for stories. She goes after him. They sort of feed off each other. It's and really. if she
0: had this incredible news as a journalist, why did she hold on to it until she released a book? So that makes me kind of question things. Well, well
4: that's so ridiculous, I can't even tell you. But this fame thing, this power thing, this is powerful, more powerful than any narcotic. If that yeah. gets a hold of you... You are in trouble. And that's the killing the legends thing, which extends to both Biden and Trump. And the reason that Biden sold out every principle he ever had was because he wanted to be president and he didn't care about abortion or crime or taxes. All the things that he had championed in the Senate, he turned his back on. Because Bill, he knew the pathway was through the progressive precincts.
2: Bill O'Reilly, we're out of time. Tell us what you're going to talk about at nine o'clock tonight on WABCradio.com Radio dot com and seven seventy on your dial.
4: Okay, you ready for this? Yes. <laughs> I want drug addicts to be punished.
2: Hmm. Well, That's drug addicts. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm President panic. Trump on my on my interview last week says each of the average drug pusher. Killed 500 human beings during his lifetime, and they should, get, they, they should be executed.
5: Right, there's Why
2: a difference between the user and pusher. Wild?
4: Why are we letting them, letting them run wild, both pushers and users? Why? Somebody's trying so to change America, uh, Bill O'Reilly. Sense. That'll be on Common Sense tonight.
2: I'll be listening. 9 o'clock okay, guys, to 10, 10 o'clock. To end. Bill O'Reilly uh, on WABCradio.com, 770 on your dial, or... Uh what else? W L I R? And on your iPhone 77 WABC. Let's take a break and we're gonna come back with Charlie Gasparino. My God, what a roller coaster in the markets!
1: It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: Well, we're back. And what the heck is going on in the markets? I mean, it's down a thousand, up a thousand, down eight hundred, up eight hundred. Well, this is one of the smartest guys I know, and he works for Fox News. Uh, we have with us Charlie Gasparino. Charlie, what the heck is going on? Well, I think a
1: couple positive developments. And I won't
2: give you any more Brooklyn words.
1: Okay. <laughs> 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 what no did we pipes. talk about last time? The shaft or something like that? The, the pipes. The pipes. Taking the pipes. Oh, yeah, oh my God. Um, thank you
2: they they to knock out somebody they used to take the steam pipe and stick it up his mouth or something.
1: Oh my the tail god. The tailpipe, yeah. You people from Brooklyn. Oh my god, I'm very scary. Some uh, of us are very nice, Charlie. <laughs> my wife's from Brooklyn. I know all about it. Um well, I mean here's the thing John, the we, you know, I I think over the weekend and like and, and towards the end of last week and through the weekend, people were really worried that a, a major investment bank was going to go belly up and cause something along the lines of what Lehman did um, back in 2008. Um, I think most of the big firms and banks, I'm talking about J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, they went out, they looked at their their, um, their counterparty uh, sort of risk when with that bank that people were talking about, that's Credit Suisse, the big uh, uh, Swiss bank, Swiss-based bank, and they found that um, not only that, they found that their, their their counterparty risk was manageable. But not only that, that the the problems that Credit Suisse has is not as dire as the social media commentary thought. Uh, you know, the the uh, Ulrich Kroner, I think his name is. That's a CEO. Has been meeting with all the big institutional investors, telling them that they're they have capital at hand. They're they're li- they have enough liquidity that if there's problems, it's not based on the whole bank, which includes a huge wealth management operation in in Zurich, uh, a pretty big consumer bank that does business all over the world, and an investment bank here in the U.S. that is the problem. And it's kind of confined to that that problem. So once you took that off the table, I think you had a relief rally. And uh, now, uh, whether this will last, I don't know. And there's also... A lot of commentary that the Fed is going to follow what the Bank of England did and back off rate increases. Uh, that the Bank of England came in there uh, was worried about massive dislocation in its financial system from rate increases, particularly hedge funds and uh, excuse me, pension funds that bought debt at super low interest rates, juiced them up with derivatives in a high interest rate environment. Those bonds go go haywire. And down, not up, um, and that the U.S. could face the same similar thing if the Fed starts if the Fed keeps raising rates and the, and the ten year goes significantly above four percent, you know we're we're there and there's a thought there's a theory and I you know more than a theory that the Fed is going to back off that that they're going to do maybe one more cut maybe not seventy five but fifty and pause to see if the financial situation in the U.S., you know, if, if we face a similar Later on, uh, Charlie, later
2: on, we have Amir on, who is the publisher of The Real Deal, and he's going to talk about real estate in New York right. and Florida. But the real estate industry is starting to take the hype. I didn't say that. You said that. Well, you know,
1: John, the real estate industry is is a bubble. I mean, the problem that the Fed has, if it stops, it's essentially saying that these prices that we see today in meme stocks, in crypto, in all this garbage, including housing that have you know quadrupled in the in the last three years, that this is all normal. And you know, here's the problem that the U.S. has. If you and the world has this during this during and a lot of it stems from the, the, our economic response to the pandemic, we shut down economies, we turned around, and we just gave people money to sit at home. You have unproductive people spending money, so of course you're going to get inflation and bubbles throughout the world, throughout the country and the world. And now it comes. There's a time that do you. Do you, do you correct that bubble or not? Now, if the Fed doesn't correct it, and this is the problem that Powell has, and this is the problem the Bank of England's going to have, if they don't correct the inflation problem, the bond vigilantes will do it.
0: Uh, Charlie Gasparino, what a two-part question. First of all, why, why did they go after Kim Kardashian? They have nothing better to do. And then the second part, did you see John's prediction talking about oil prices and now OPEC, they're going to cut production, so it looks like we could see oil prices coming up?
1: Yeah, That's bad for inflation. Yeah, I did see that. Congrats, John. That's a good call. Uh, Kim Kardashian, I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin with this. Uh, I, I'm not like some sort of I, – I, I know very little about her um, her business, but her business is literally to sell anything that moves with her name on it, right? Mm-hmm. So if she puts an ad out there about crypto. You know that she's like behind it, isn't it? I mean, isn't it like it's like you know it's 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 almost disclosed, and what they got her on seems like such nonsense mm-hmm. that the Securities Exchange Commission, in in the middle of this insanity that we have going on in the markets, is worried about her. They're By the struggling.
2: Way, they, they're struggling to keep Bitcoin above nineteen thousand.
1: Yeah, I know. But, uh, but it's not even that. Is I mean, you want your your you know your police to be, you know, really cracking down on crime that 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 affects the average investor. And this is, like, nonsense.
3: Well, Charlie, this is Pete King. Speaking of that, how about the attorney general going after Donald Trump? Well, I wrote a whole column. On I know, this. it was a great column, I thought. <laughs> Thank
1: yeah. you. Well, I mean, listen, I, I did something. If you notice most of the coverage of, of that and, and all these cases, like if you see the, look at the Times coverage, they, they don't talk to business people. Mm-hmm. They talk to lawyers. And, you know, you're going to get, you know, so they talk to foreign prosecutors. Oh, this is very serious. You know, you put something down on a document. So I I, I went back and I spoke with business people, including a gentleman that I mentioned, John Myers of GE Capital, or excuse me, GE Asset Management. And I said, okay, give me – the. you read the case, and all of them read it because it was you – know, they wanted to you – know, they're involved in this, in this world. And um, everybody I spoke with said it is immaterial what Donald Trump puts on a loan application because all these loan applications are just – they're ignored almost by the banks.
5: There's no reliance on it, Charlie.
1: There's no reliance. So if there's no reliance, where's the fraud? Where's the victim? There's no victim. Either. And there's
5: no injury here. Where's all the debts we repaid?
1: And that's the other problem. You know, if you look, look at the coverage. I mean, he paid a lot of this stuff back. He got other loans. I mean, you know, you got to ask yourself, why is the attorney general of this state wasting time with this when there's no victim? And, you know,
0: it's very because hard. She's trying to fulfill a campaign promise. Well, here's the thing.
1: It's very hard not to come to the conclusion. And maybe she's a very nice lady. I don't know anything about her. I don't know her, that she's a political hack. And here's why. If you notice what she did with Cuomo. okay, so She say is what a you very nice lady. I,
2: I do know her. She is a very nice lady. But uh, we just had a discussion with Bill O'Reilly. I'm not sure if you heard it. Right. But uh, some of the word that's out is that shot against Andrew Cuomo was called by the White House. They, well, didn't need, they, I, they I, did not need competition in 2024
1: maybe but okay be that as it may okay think about this she's running against the guy and she uses her office's
4: power to put out some report
1: about how bad of a guy he is while she's about to run against the guy i mean i, I the conflicts of interest are in, are off the charts. And the, only the reason very that report least, she should have given, given it to Morgenthau or some, I don't know, you know, an, in, an independent council.
3: Where is Morgenthau
2: when we need him now? Yeah. Also, oh, that's right. Mean, on that, you know, the only
3: reason that report meant anything is because, you know, the Office of the Attorney General did it. Other than that, you know, if that was a newspaper column, people would have passed right over it. Yeah. Right. I mean, right.
1: And the other thing with, with the Cuomo stuff
2: yeah.
1: is, I'm not, not a fanboy of his, but where's the criminal charges
2: against him? There isn't it. They tried. They tried. They, he, he, kissed a, he kissed a girl on the cheek in an Italian wedding. <laughs> well, thank you, Charlie Gasparino. And we're going to take a break, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Anytime, John. Uh, let's take uh, the break, and we're also going to hear Lou Dobbs and get his opinion on what the heck is going on.
1: This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: This is John Katsimatidis. We're back. And we we talked about the financial community. We talked about with Bill O'Reilly so many things. Well, right now we have uh, former Ambassador John Bolton. And my God, what's going on in Europe? What's going on with Russia? What's going on with Ukraine? Only he can tell ran. us. And Iran and Iran. Oh my God, uh, Ambassador, can I sleep at night? <laughs> well, I tell you, it's uh, it, it's
6: it's definitely getting uh, much more. Uh, dangerous, I think, in Ukraine uh, uh, for uh, certainly for Russia, which, whose forces are still in retreat. But but for the rest of us, given Putin's threat to use nuclear weapons, you know, we've talked about this over the past several months, and uh, my feeling has been that uh, Putin is is uh, is just bluffing when it comes to nuclear weapons, except at the point when Ukrainians may be about to enter Russian territory and the Russian military is just in complete uh, collapse, fleeing back toward the Russian border. Uh, You know, by supposedly annexing these four Ukrainian provinces, Putin has now put Ukrainians inside Russia, by his definition, in some of the four provinces. And continued reports today in both the south and the north uh, indicate continued Russian retreat. So I think the military situation, from all we can tell publicly, uh, is deteriorating for Russia, deteriorating again and deteriorating at a faster rate. So to the extent that Putin feels his domestic political position is now very much in danger, and I think it's in more danger even than the last time we talked, more more in danger than any point since the invasion, uh, I think uh, it, it follows uh, from my earlier logic, that, that we're now closer to him actually doing something with a nuclear weapon. Still not there yet, but I, I think I think our planning really needs to proceed. I understand that's what the Biden administration is doing. I think it's very important to think about this. John,
3: John this is Pete King. Is there any chance you see that the military or the intelligence people in Russia could ease uh, Putin out?
6: Well, if there's going to be a change of, of government, that's what's going to happen. I think you're exactly right. Uh, you know, there's no there's no civilian constitutional mechanism, really, that can get Putin out. E- even back in communist days, there was a Politburo that could tell Nikita Khrushchev after the Cuban Missile Crisis, for example, it was time to retire. They, they don't have that now. It's just Putin and his friends. That's the government. So if there's going to be... Uh, regime change in Russia, in the first instance, in, in the next 60 days, it will come from exactly where you identified. Somebody in the military, somebody in the uh, intelligence or other security services who says, this is a disaster for Russia, and we've got to stop it. That That's where regime change will come.
3: John, and- talking about a regime change in, in Iran, I, think, I, I guess it was back in 2009, there were those massive demonstrations, and a number of us felt that the Obama administration should have done more. Now, how do you compare that to what's happening today in Iran? Can we get more involved without giving anything away? Uh, Where do you see this leading?
6: Well, I think these demonstrations, on top of the existing economic dissatisfaction, which is very widespread all across the country, Uh, this is the most threatening period for the Ayatollahs than at any point since their revolution in 1979. Think thing about the 2009 demonstrations, they were concentrated in Tehran, one or two other big cities. The people in the streets were the privileged middle class uh, who knew the election had been fraudulently conducted, uh, and they were put down by the Basiji militia. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm hearing, and these reports are anecdotal and scattered, is that there may be signs that the Iranian military, uh, the regular military, is splitting from the Revolutionary Guard, seeing what's happening, seeing the repression against the demonstrations uh, occasioned by the murder of this uh, young woman, Masih uh, Alina, for violating the guidelines of the morality police. And so I think it's these demonstrations are very significant. They're across the country, and they're on top of existing a dissatisfaction for other reasons. Well, John, isn't that I all the more reason a real crisis? Isn't
3: that all the more reason why we should not get involved in going back into a nuclear deal with Iran at this
6: time? A hundred percent. I don't see how the Biden administration. I don't see how even the Biden administration at this point can possibly contemplate going back into the nuclear deal. And I think we have to be open to helping the dissidents in. Iran. It does not mean military force. Uh, you know, I think we should help the dissonance in Russia, too. It does not mean military force. It means assisting them with communications, providing some resources, getting getting them the ability to coordinate internally. They're, they're the ones on the scene. Uh, it's their future at stake. They've got the main responsibility. But for us just to sit back and wish them good luck, I just don't think is enough.
2: Uh, Ambassador, uh, the Saudis, the Russians are pushing hundred dollar oil because the, to to uh, the Russians it means a billion dollars a day. And there's been reports that the Russians are using the Wagner Group out of where is it out of Libya to supply terrorist type soldiers into the Mercenaries, Ukraine. Mercenaries, yeah. Mercenaries. G- give us your, your thoughts and have you heard about this?
6: Well, I think number one, you're you're absolutely right. OPEC's probably about to cut back production to get international oil prices up. This would be a gift for Russia, uh, to be sure. Uh, but I think now Putin is uh, is pulling in mercenaries, troops, uh, uh, guerrillas, whatever he can find anywhere he can find them uh, to throw into the battle in Ukraine. I think the situation for him is desperate enough that uh, terrorism wouldn't bother him in the slightest. He may see that as one of the few things that can work. So I think, for example, the threat of assassination against uh, Zelensky is probably up again. Uh, And I think we can expect to see uh, attacks on uh, Ukrainian civilian assets more and more. That Because the the Russian military on the ground in Ukraine right now uh, seems to be not just in disarray, but growing disarray.
0: Ambassador Bolton, quick question. Elon Musk, this is his first time kind of weighing in on Ukraine. He's suggesting that Ukraine should be neutral in Russia's war. And in an approach to peace, he says that Crimea should be formally part of Russia. And Ukraine's ambassador to Germany weighed in and gave some not so nice comment back to Elon Musk. What do you make uh, of, of Elon Musk even suggesting something like this, Ambassador Bolton?
6: I think he should stick to building Tesla's uh, and I wouldn't go to Ukraine anytime soon if i if I were he look uh, I, I think he's I think he may have uh, the best interest of the people of Ukraine at heart, but he has proposed something they will never accept
2: ambassador uh thank you so much for coming on and uh we'll have you on again real soon because the American people deserve to know what the heck is going on
6: well thank you Glad to do it.
2: thank you. Our next guest, uh, well, we went to the, the, the East uh, Europe and we went to uh, Ukraine, Russia. Now, let's come back to New York and Florida. With us today is Amir Khashoggi. I say, Hi. How, Hi. Tell John, me the pronunciation you? of your last name: Korangi. Korangi. Amir Korangi, yes. the publisher of The Real Deal, which is like the Bible mm-hmm. of the real estate industry. It's lately. the real deal. It's the real, real, deal deal deal. real deal. And right. uh, Amir, right. we'd like to know, maybe get an update. What's going on in real estate in New York? And give us an update of what you hear was going on in in Florida. Wherever you'd like to start first. Well,
7: I feel like uh, you know, you can't have a New York story without Miami right now because in the last two and a half years, you know that city has transformed itself to. You know, a part-time playground. From a part-time playground to a full-time destination for a lot of people, and it's not uh, it's not the usual crowd that you expect to move to places. These are people who who are who have a lot of disposable income. Uh, They're not the you know bring us you're tired and you're poor. The people who are leaving New York to go to Miami are you know they're the guys with on the high tax bracket. I mean, I'm sure John. You have a lot of your friends who've moved down there, and a lot of companies are moving down there too, and you know, getting an incredible amount of commercial office space down there that's changed uh, the whole dynamic there. And it's, you know, right now, you don't have Miami developers. You have the uh, New York developers who want to be down in Miami to develop, because those are the people who are really building there. You have your big Miami guys who are still doing a lot of work, but they are competing with New York money to uh, build in their own
2: cities. They're in deep crap. <laughs>
6: well
2: yeah, yeah there's well, a right lot now, of New York money they are. Uh, yeah. headed down that that way. Uh give us an update of uh New York. I mean, yeah, give us the pulse. Uh the interest rates are going to the moon. Uh what's going right. on with developers? Uh people don't want to ride the subways cuz there's still a lot of crime. Give us your pulse.
7: Well, I mean, you the city went through such a, a, you know, fluctuation the last couple of days. There was like some real wild swings, uh, you know, from when the pandemic happened to how we came out of the pandemic. And now what we have to deal with just internationally. I mean, New York city is a very international city, as you know, and in the past, no matter what's happened, there was always this influx of international money that came in to sort of buoy uh, the market. But right now with the dollar where it is, the dollar is very strong, which is, you know, uh, makes investment from other countries into places like New York uh, very difficult because everything's become so much more expensive for people, unless you're an oligarch and you just want to get your cash out of uh, Russia no matter at what expense. But, um, but, you know, for most, the international money has really slowed down uh, for New York. And, you know, the rents went up so high and some people took, you know, some landlords took a lot of advantage from that and they increased their rents very high, and that that really hurt the market, uh, you know John, as you know, because it really uh, it really pushed people to either like decide to leave the city because it just was not as affordable i mean your one bedrooms on average went up what twenty seven percent or something that 's significant. I mean they say that number is slightly lower, but even the lower number was uh, very high to begin with, so i don 't think that was great for the city, but you know the government didn 't help by. Uh, you know, enforcing the rent regulations that they did in 2018-19, which really killed the multifamily business in New York. And all of that money, which was a huge part of the New York City tax base, left the city. I mean, I was just in Texas. I was telling you last week, I was, uh, I was just in Texas for a month. And uh, you know, I really wanted to get a lay of the land there. The real deal is expanding there because there's a lot of uh, business and transactions. And
2: uh, well, they're either going, going, like going to Texas or they're going to Florida. I mean, uh, it's a new promised land.
7: Yeah, and you know, so all of that money that was that would normally stay within New York because you just get better. You know, the, the deals are bigger. You can uh, you know you can out you can put more uh, money into deals. It's a lot easier for people to do it in New York, but when they change those rent policies for the affordable housing stuff. Um, They really pushed a lot of investment out of the city. And even the apartments that are in the city, you have 50,000 apartments that we know of, that we know of that landlords choose to remove from the market. So you got 50,000, imagine how many more there really are where landlords are like, you know what, I don't wanna deal with the BS. I don't wanna deal with the BS. I'd rather not rent it, wait for the market to come back around or figure something to do with these apartments. But imagine if you could just put those 50,000 apartments back in the market that's existing. These are not apartments you have to build. These are existing apartments that landlords choose to remove from the market because they don't want to deal with uh, you know the rent regulation.
2: Amir, what's going to happen to the construction industry in New York? There's no 421A uh, to, for tax abatements or anything like that to incentivize investment. And uh, when I talked to one of the banks the here today about a construction loan, the the number was at seven or eight hmm. percent.
7: I mean that changed. But John, you've been around and you know that uh, seven eight percent is not a crazy number if you're building if you're able to build in New York. But I mean, you, you know, you're a builder. It has it changed the, the way
4: you. I've been at borrowing at three percent. Yeah, well, that's because you get those opportunities. Those are not for everyone, though.
2: So what's going to happen?
7: Well, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but, you know, New York's always figured it out. But right now you have a lot of money leaving New York. You have, you have 42,000 people that have moved down to uh, uh, to Florida. They've handed back their uh, New York licenses and are getting Florida licenses. And those are people with incredible tax bases that are leaving the city. And that tax basis is going down to uh, Florida right now. And... Uh, you know, it's and they Miami just reduced their taxes. They have so well, much money coming in there that they, the the city of Miami reduced their taxes Amir, recently on top of everything else they got going
5: on. Uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. John and I and some other people met with the mayor of uh, Miami, Suarez. Oh, he's Les- great. He's that's great. exactly right. And what he's doing is he's showing us he's for law and order. He's for uh, deregulation. He's for low taxes. He encourages entrepreneurial and
2: development. Uh, a what sense did card. Governor DeSantis say uh, the other day? He says, don't you dare loot. If you loot, you Don't forget we we're a, a second,
0: second Amendment. We're
5: a Second Amendment state.
2: Um, Amir
0: Karanji, how much does crime well, let play let a factor? First. No, he didn't ask him in a question. In all fairness, I in all respect oh, yes. to uh,
7: Mayor Suarez, who I'm a big fan of, and I believe he's got the bigger places in the political world, and mm-hmm. uh, I, in all fairness to him, you the, know the crime in Miami is not very low. I know it appears that way, and I understand they're a Second Amendment state, but uh, the, you know crime in Miami is not necessarily better than, than New York. And who, what, what mayor doesn't want lower taxes and low crime and all great education, all this stuff? Of course, everybody wants that stuff. It's you know it always comes down to who's able to execute and actually, you know, be able to solve those problems that those, uh, you know, those things need, those industries need.
2: Amir, we got 30 seconds. What do you want to tell New Yorkers? I'm sorry? We have 30 seconds. What do you want to tell all New Yorkers?
7: Well, I, I want to tell New Yorkers that I'm really glad to see New York is back, because if you've tried to go across town in a cab, it'll take you 45 minutes, and that's not a sign of a city suffering i do wish that they could bring the you know I, I want more people to go out there and vote for local politics
2: amia karanji uh publisher the real deal and uh new york florida and opening up in texas thank you so much and uh thank we'll catch up you. again soon thank you, soon. Thank thank you. you. let's take a break and we're going to come back with dr peter michalos with some of you know, really big news.
1: This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: Welcome
0: back to the John Cats Matidis Cats at Night show, and now we have some medical revelations from our resident medical genius, Doctor Peter Mikolos. Apparently, we have some sort of ancient DNA. Tell us all about it.
8: Well, some fascinating stuff. Well. But- about today's Nobel Prize. And as we all know, no, the Nobel Prize was started by the guy who uh, invented dynamite. And uh, today is a dynamite day in the world of uh, genetics and learning more about our ancestry, a Swedish geneticist named Svante Pabo. He basically sequenced the DNA of a Neanderthal, which is our relative. And we now know that they were our relatives and they're our extinct relatives. And it turns out about 70,000 years ago, uh, the Neanderthals were in Europe, and uh, we uh, all started out in Africa, and then they ended up hanging out together. And when they started to mix, they even discovered that there was a third type of human called the Denisova humans. Now, why is this all important? And this guy was able from ancient bones to get all this DNA. Because now we found out one of the reasons why the Neanderthals didn't survive and why. It has something to even do with COVID. They found out that the major genetic risk factor, the severe COVID-19, was inherited from Neanderthals. It's a spot on our gene, on the third chromosome. And this gene basically makes your uh, respiratory system and your immune system weaker. And they looked at 3,200 hospitalized patients, and they all had this gene. Oh, 16- wow. Wow. And that's that's big. So that explains now why they ended up... So if
2: you're a pig. defective creature, you die? <laughs> not defective. They could have the no, genetic we're predisposition.
8: A we're all creatures of God, but it's just that you have a... Sometimes you inherit a bad gene, and 16% of uh, your, Europeans What have percent? What
2: percentage of Europeans are Neanderthals?
8: Well, we all have a, a mixed... Uh, we're all mixed up. It depends. When you, they do your DNA, they'll tell you, your breakdown of uh, how much Neanderthal you are. And 50% of uh, South Asians have this gene from Neanderthals that makes you more susceptible to COVID-19. But it's also interesting, they also discovered that on those same genes from uh, Neanderthals, they found that uh, there was a spot on the ninth gene that tells your blood type. And in the process of doing these genetic studies, that's how they figured out that people with type O blood, for example, are more resistant To COVID-19 and also more resistant to malaria. So doing these studies of these ancient genes has also given us some insight to why some of our ancient ancestors are now extinct and why some of us are able to resist diseases like COVID-19 and and even malaria. So uh, this is a a breakthrough and we're learning. And also it's going to help us figure out a lot of disease states because as we study our ancient DNA with these new technologies called CRISPR where you can go in and splice and repair genes. It's like if you're buying a new computer and the software, there's a glitch. This CRISPR technology will go in and fix that software glitch, which they're doing now to treat. They're coming up with a treatment for people who have uh, sickle cell anemia, for example, which is a a scourge on uh, many communities. So we're going to be able to go right in and repair things in the next coming years. So the thing is to try and not slip on a banana peel the next few years, because if you can stay alive the next five years, we're going to be seeing a lot of amazing things and a lot of, uh, it's going to be almost Star Trek-like, some of the uh, techniques that will be able to help fix a lot of different diseases, and even some genetic diseases will be able to be repaired, which is a, a great time to be alive and a great time to be following all of this, and you can hear it all on WABC every week.
0: And Dr. Peter Mikolos, that's why they're talking about vaccines, like an mRNA type of vaccine to target certain cancers?
8: Yeah, well, that's a little bit different. What it is, is you take a piece of the tumor, for example, and you find certain uh, receptors and certain things on the surface of the cancer, and then you can custom make uh, a vaccine that tells your uh, immune system, hey, that is a breast cancer gene. That is, that surface protein is found on this breast cancer. Go after it and attack it, and that's what they're working on right now with breast, pancreatic, and there's even people working on uh, things for uh, brain cancer. So it's going to be exciting when you'll be able to get a vaccine. And right now we we actually have a vaccine that can prevent cancer. The HPV vaccine that they're giving uh, younger people now, the human papilloma virus, is preventing thousands of cases of cervical cancer, which is diagnosed using the pap pap smear test named after Bapanikolaou, who never got a Nobel Prize or Presidential of Freedom, so I'm mentioning that anyway, but he should have got one because he saved millions of lives of women. But we do have, uh, that's an example of a vaccine that is actually preventing cases of cancer. So the future is very bright. And as long as we have a capitalist society willing to risk capital and invest in all these companies, I just have fears that when we start doing price controls with uh, medicines that we don't get enough research and development money, and a lot of these uh, this funding will dry Rita, up. So we have, we to have 20 seconds. Party. What would you like to
2: tell people?
8: I'd like to tell people to listen to WABC to get the latest news on how to stay healthy, stay alive, and live longer. And thanks for always getting the truth out. Well,
2: God bless you. And what do we got, guys? What do we all stand for? Truth, truth justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless America, and God bless uh, the world. Because we need to, we need God's blessing. Thank you so much for listening today, and we'll be back tomorrow. And big news on on Wednesday, uh, Yom Kippur Day. Uh, the King and I are going to be working. God bless America. <laughs>
3: Looking forward to it, John.